this? Ugh, this is so boring. What else is on? Welcome to a brand new episode of Hope Makes Chris Watch Cartoons, an animation podcast for geeky girl experience. I'm Hope Mullinax, and I make my friend Chris Honeywell watch my favorite animated shows. In this episode, we look at things that are unexplained. We hear about some guides to life. We might fix a couple things, watch a little TV, and go deep diving through Mabel's scrapbook. We're talking about the 17 Gravity Falls shorts this week. How you doing, Chris? Pretty good. So what do you think of the shorts? They were good. They were just collections of jokes, but they were for the for the vast majority, they were pretty much all good jokes. Yeah, I kind of feel the same way about them too. They felt like, especially like it, there's one or two that are just like this is like the the what's best about Gravity Falls, but like in a two minute bit. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, mostly the one with the cow. That one's just so good. <laughs> <laughs> so good. <laughs> But you have a good week so far? Yeah, so far. It's just starting, though, so... That is very true. It is just starting. <laughs> well, you want to get into these shorts? I do. Now, I will say, there is... When I did was working on the background information, there's certain things I just had to leave out because there's 17 of them, and, yeah. and some of them are really hilarious. It was Mabel's Guide to Stickers, at one point, she has a history book, and please, not you, Chris, because they're spoilers, but listener, once Chris is, you know, done with the show, he can look this up, There's a, they flash the pages of the history book, and when she talks about the ancient Greece, uh, the ancient Greeks, uh, it is the summary of the Great Gatsby, <laughs> and when she talks about the Aztecs, it's the summary of Air Bud and its sequels, and it's stuff like that that I wish I had plenty of time just to, like, read forever about because it's so good <laughs> but i try to keep everything that was you know pertains to the show so yeah all right you ready i'm ready the gravity falls shorts were released between season one and season two between october 2013 and through june 2014 there are 17 of them which are as followed dipper's guide to the unexplained there are six of them, which are called Candy Monster, Stan's Tattoo, Mailbox, The Hide Behind, Tooth, and Lefty. The next set of shorts were Mabel's Guide to Life. There are five shorts, which are Mabel's Guide to Dating, Stickers, Fashion, Color, and Art. The next set of shorts were Fixing It with Seuss. There were two of these, which was Seuss Fixing a Golf Cart and Seuss Fixing a Cuckoo Clock. The next two shorts are actually called TV Short Number 1 and TV Short Number 2. These two are about Mabel and Stan watching TV and flipping through the various TV shows of Gravity Falls. And finally, the last two shorts are Mabel's Scrapbook. These are about Mabel reminiscing about the family sneaking into the movie theater and going to a petting zoo. Technically, there's a set of shorts with McGucket, but it's Puppet McGucket uh, without search doing Puppet McGucket and him just talking about stuff that happened in the show and just spouting nonsense. But those were created as promotions for the finale. They're not actually canon. So that's why those those ones, and I think there's another set of commercial 
shorts that were released as well, but those are not considered canon shorts, so just in case you ever see those floating around. The events of Dipper's Guide to the Unexplained takes place before Gideon Rises, as Dipper still has journal number three, but not after Dreamscapers, as the Pines family still live in the Mystery Shack. The events of two of the TV shorts takes place after the events of season one, as Gideon is in prison. When Mabel and Dipper awaken the head monster island in the short tooth, it starts talking in gibberish. When it's played backwards, the floating island head says, You have awoken me from my slumber. Enter my mouth, children. Enter your destiny. Rawr! And also part of the short tooth, in a scrapped episode, it was supposed to be revealed that Dipper is actually afraid of puppets. In this short, he seems uneasy around Barrow, suggesting that this may still be true. In Mabel's Guide yeah, to Fashion... Yeah, everybody was uneasy around Barrow. <laughs> Barrow is a horror show. <laughs> Barrow is... There is a real toy that, uh, that looks yeah. exactly like Barrow, so, yeah. Oh, yeah. The moment I saw that, I was like, I just flashed back to, like, nightmares of my childhood. <laughs> In Mabel's Guide to Fashion, the flash makeover Mabel and Grinda give to Seuss is a reference to the late David Bowie's character, Jareth the Goblin King from the 1986 film Labyrinth. Previously, Alex Hirsch revealed an idea for an unproduced episode that would have been a Labyrinth-inspired parody. There is also going to be a short where Mabel visited the prison titled Mabel's Guide to Smiles, in which she attempted to cheer up some prisoners. However, this ended up being cut. There was also going to be a short called Mabel's Guide to Death, in which Mabel would show how to deal with the effects of someone you know dying after her pet caterpillar gets eaten. This ended up being cut for being too morbid. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That might be a little traumatic for like some little kid who's just lost a parent or something. <laughs> yeah, yeah. This was the one funny one I kept in, though. In the TV short number one, a disclaimer scrolls across the screen for the Mystery Shack commercial. It reads, Mr. Mystery does not assume liability for disappointment, strange rashes, or accidental plunges into the bottomless pit. Visitors may experience loss of vision, loss of balance, loss of children, or loss of wallet. Please do not look Mr. Mystery directly in the eye. Not responsible for uncontrolled fits of rage or fits of pants. Remember to tip your waitress. In the event of no waitress, remember to tip your Mr. Mystery. Even if of no tip, you will be escorted from the premises. Kids' emissions are $30 because they smell bad and that one keeps doing weird things with his legs. Side effects may include existential quandaries and sudden morale relativism. And finally, in the short for Stan's tattoo, Dipper has a piece of paper about secret societies on his pinboard. The document reads... Secret societies are typically fraternal orders that may have been associated with everything from controlling uh, international governments to forbidden rituals to being a bunch of old guys playing gin rummy and complaining about their wives. They feature strange symbols like the ones you see above. One particular sinister mystery, uh, mysterious order features an eye with a red X through it. Many rumors have flown around about these organizations, but here are some stone-cold facts about secret societies. All secret societies worship the hyper-intelligent barn owl named Dwayne the Enforcer Roosevelt. Most meetings consist of saying secret oaths, dressing in robes, 
hooting, gluing owl feathers to their skin, and devouring, devouring gophers whole in honor of their beloved bar barn owl overlords. But not all secret societies worship barn owls. Some of them worship western screeching owls. Also, other owl-related jokes. In addition, owls, 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 owls. And remember when you, I just like the owls, 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 owls. And remember, when you don't know where else to turn, just ask yourself, what would Wayne do? Which which is use your creepy heart-shaped face to see your prey, swoop down from a tree, eat an adult male bow, then cough up his bones in a disgusting ball for kids that kids will later open in a high school biology class. A reference so, to Moloch. To what? Moloch, the owl god, worshipped at the, oh, what the hell is it called, where all the government secret society people go, Bohemian Grove in California. Oh. A male-only male power broker. They have a ceremony at the beginning that Alex Jones snuck in and videotaped with a giant sculpt-like tree that's been sculpted into Moloch. And the voice of Walter, it's like a Disney show, but with people in robes and torches and flames and recorded voices of Walter Cronkite. You can go on YouTube and watch it. <laughs> it's called the cremation of care ceremony. But that's what a lot of the conspiracy theories are like. All the all the famous people worship Moloch, the horned god. Yeah. I'm so glad I left that in there because... I was about to say, I wonder if this was like an early nod towards the Owl House. In a, one of the Gravity Falls comics, the character... I, I'm Nita guessing that, that he just really loves owls because there's there's more owls coming up in, in well, not this in this episode of the show. There's more owls coming. Yeah, but like also in very late Gravity Falls work, um, after the show ended, they released a comic called Lost Legends. And in one of the background panels... There's a wanted poster for Ida the Owl Lady. Ida the Owl Lady is a character in Owl House. And that's actually technically her first appearance. So there's this big theory that Owl House and Gravity Falls are in the same universe. Especially since Bill Cipher has been like sitting in the like not like in pictures. Bill Cipher has been in pictures of the Owl House too, like in the background on pictures and stuff like that. So um it's just a kind of a fun fan theory. But I did not know about uh Moloch. Moloch? Moloch? Moloch. 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 I, I did not know about that, so I'm actually really glad that I left that in there. There is a tiny Moloch, piece. Moloch, Moloch, Banana Fana Foloch, Fifi Foloch, Moloch. I will say the reason I did put that in there, because there is one little piece of story in there for later in season two, so FYI. <laughs> well, as always, Hope Makes Chris Watch Cartoon is separated into a few parts. Part one will be the story, themes, and character. I'm switching to the parts tonight because we're going to do Dipper's journal entries. And we're going to do the cipher, uh, the cipher Corner and connections to previous episodes first. Because there's something I want Chris to see before he gets to his part where it's his speculation and theories. So, I'm sorry. Right. I'm, very, I'm very distracted. I have to tell you. My cat's been sitting in my lap. And, mm -hmm. and you know how a cat will sort of like half want to get out of your lap so they just sort of start hanging off like they're gonna jump onto the ground that's what she's doing now but when i tried to put her down she's just like no she just she just wants to sort of hang at a 45 degree angle weirdo miss bernice is a cutie don't you dare call her a weirdo she's a weird i live with her <laughs> <laughs>
No, she's 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 deep in heat right now. So she's a super weirdo. She's running all around the house, making a fool out of herself. She can't eat her. She can't eat her wet food. She just for some reason when she's in heat, she just licks her wet food right off the plate onto the floor. Oh my goodness! She's really? A That's hot cute. mess. She's a, she's a hot mess, she's kicking stuff out of her litter box and just sort of running around and rolling all over the place, making Marge Simpson noises. We'll get her her surgery soon. And she meowed on uh on Jago's and Jedi last night. I hope she meows on this show tonight. <laughs> uh, she just moved down onto the floor and now she's sitting down on the floor. Today she also discovered she also discovered if she sits underneath me in my room while I eat. I was eating a chicken burrito today and a nice piece of chicken fell down. She was just like, Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> Food falls down. So that was that was interesting. We actually have our kitty Spokes trained at dinner time, and she sits on one particular square in our kitchen. And we trained her to sit on that one square, and she will sit there patiently. And at the end, she gets to lift the plates. Ah, uh, wow! I don't know how I, it was just very repetitive. I just kept bringing her back yeah. to that one square, and she eventually learned that this is. And it's it's kind of like a it's it's four we it's like four tiles together, and the tiles are probably about oh, eight inches wide. So it's more yeah. like when I say square, it's probably about like a a, sp- a a space for her to sit in, yeah. Yeah, but it's it is her space, and she knows to sit there patiently because at the end she will get food. And I don't know how I trained a like a fifteen year old cat to do that, but I did. <laughs> they're smart. They're smart. That's why. Yeah, absolutely. So especially when it comes to getting food, <laughs> it's kind of a so, big deal. So Chris. What there are seventeen shorts. What were some of your favorite parts of them? All right. Well, there's so many. I know. Yeah, yeah. I have a lot of them listed along with the shorts. But my three favorite things were Barrow. I think he's modeled after a Chuck E. Cheese character, or like one of the bears in the Country Jamboree at Disney. But there are there are toys, huh? Chris, that's gonna be important in season two. Ah. (laughs) <laughs> there's there's some there's some there's some toys that look exactly like Barrow from the 70s. There were a lot of rubber face toys and like hobos and bears and stuff that all have, that are really creepy. I no, I it, don't like those like where they're like same thing with dolls. Well, I'm not a doll person anyway, but like the ones that are like super soft plushies, but then then they have like hard as a rock faces. I've got two hobos like that. It's like who wants a doll of a dirty hobo with a cigar? That's the size of a little little baby. <laughs> Who wants to give that to their kid? But yeah, that was a thing. I don't I don't think hobos are as much of a thing anymore. Okay, what else did I got on here? Oh, back to owls, the maraca owl. I love the maraca owl. Just like boo. <laughs> and my third favorite thing was animal dating. <laughs> yes, my my two favorites because. It was so shocking that even now I, I still get the feeling of what I felt of Octavia, Octavia the eight-legged cow, laser shooting a bird out of the sky, and then her tongue just coming out, just pulling it slowly into its mouth. Yeah. Because <laughs> it, it's so wholesome. Everything is so wholesome about that. Like, they meet a cow, and they save her, and there she's free, and she's going off, and then she, like, kills a thing and eats it slowly. <laughs> Like I, 
I still like have the same feeling when I see that one of just being like, oh god. There's and a there's my- a video on YouTube of a of a really cute doe, like young doe, walking through someone's backyard, and they're like, look, she's walking up to us, and the doe walks up, and they're like, look, she's sniffing something out of the ground, and they go over, and it's a it's a a bunch of baby birds. Mm-hmm. And they go, oh, look, she found the baby birds. And she just goes, crunch, crunch, crunch. And <laughs> eats them all oh, up. Oh, no. Yeah, that's exactly what they started doing. They were like, yeah. And she's just like, rup, dup, dup, eats some like popcorn and moves on. <laughs> and my other favorite part is there's there's not a single one, but I love all of the special effects in Seuss's shorts. Yeah, all the bad green screen. Yeah, and just like. And just because they're so Seuss for one, but just like little things like they still have the watermarks on them or like, like when he's just like the wolf just going, oh, oh, and like poor like Dipper just like looks so confused. I just and, like when the, the high five hand shows up and he's like, uh, not now, dude. I also like the two lightning and they're just rectangle lightning pictures just moving back and forth. <laughs> I just I love everything about Seuss's shorts. I like everybody just standing around like I don't know what he's doing. He's like, I'll show you later. <laughs> yes, yes. So, all right. So the way we did this, guys. Oh, I should first say if you haven't seen the Groundy Fall shorts, they're super easy to find. They're on Disney Plus, but also they're but they're not with the, like the normal Groundy Falls episodes on Disney Plus. They're actually under their own category. That's like shorts. And they're also all on YouTube. I suggest watching them on YouTube because Disney Plus's credits yeah. are longer Find a than playlist the actual... on YouTube. And yeah. It makes it a lot easier. You can just sit down and watch it like a show. It'll just cycle through them. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Because on Disney Plus, they go through like all the credits for all the countries. And the credits are longer than the shorts. I suggest watching them on YouTube. So, um, But we have this broken down between... Each of the groups. So we have, we're going to talk about all of Dippers together, all of Mabel's, Fixing It with Seuss, the TV shorts, and Mabel's scrapbook. So Dipper's Guide to the Unexplained. What were some of your thoughts about that? I, I have a little note about each one of them because to me, like, these are the ones that had, like, the most, like, meat to them. Mm-hmm. So. Well, I think, like, the, the one that had the most meat of all of them is Stan's tattoo. That's going to lead to something. What do you think it's going to lead to? Or is that your speculations? I'll get to that in my speculations. Okay. Yeah, I what I really love about Dipper's Guide to the Unexplained is the animation's actually really well done for, like, a two-minute short. Like, so much of it is in, like, a first-person point of view and actively moving and turning through settings. That's Which not, is, no, that, like, going downstairs and stuff. And going from room to room, like, that is not easy animation. Like, like in the Candy Monster, when Mabel... Uh, turns the camera up and throws the stuffed animal, you see the stuffed animal arc backwards and then hit her. Like, none of that is easy animation at all. And that's, like, probably the most impressive set was Candy Monster and Hide Behind because they they were actually running through settings. I, I mean, that's... Yeah, I loved that. Not only that, they had to do the point of view and then they had to make it look like it was coming through a video monitor, too. You know, it was coming <laughs> through a, a viewfinder on a video camera. 
Yeah, and it was never stable either. It was always constantly moving, which means that, that there's probably like a much wider frame that they were just kind of like moving back and forth through. I, I think they shot it stable on a wider frame. What that what I would do is shoot it stably on a wider frame and then use post-production. To, there's there There are algorithms that will simulate a handheld camera. You know, they'll they'll add the right kind of wiggle and stuff. So if you have a stable image that you can that you have some space to go outside the frame on, you can just do that in post. But, but I mean, oh. it just it's another layer of work to do on top of it. So they they these are these are the same amount of production quality that that an episode would have. Just just really really like if you if you put all the work together in these. It's probably the work to do like three or four episodes. And I think that's what gets it me the most is sometimes they don't even put this much work into like a normal episode. They put it in like two minute shorts. Well, yeah. <laughs> and it's well, so well, nice. this, well, that's the thing is when you do a two minute short, it's two minutes. I know this for a fact for doing like fake ads for one of my podcasts. They're, they're two minutes long, but they're crammed full of, you know, they have you know, many times the edits that uh, normal just podcasting would go. So, so you know, you have this like small thing so you can pour a little more time and effort into it. That's you're not worrying about what scenes you're, 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 you're basically, it looks like they were just sort of like trying to make sure to get them all within two minutes. Every one of them was like 222 or something like that, you know, and with probably about 20 seconds of it being the, the little little Disney teasers XD. at the beginning of the end, yeah, right. So yeah. they probably just like quick two minutes, and you could you could yeah definitely spend spend a little more time polishing mm-hmm. it up. And they feel longer because there's so much crammed in there. I mean, there's a lot like between the six of these, there's a lot in these twelve minutes worth of dipper shorts. Like a lot happens and goes on, and they get uh-huh. they feel so much longer. This is the only one that I wanted to go like like story by story because they do have the most meat. So you, we're going to talk about Stan's tattoo and your speculations. Yes. Well, oh. I'll, I'll I'll talk about those later. What did you think about Tooth? It's a total reference to Zardoz. That is, <laughs> that's the beginning of Zardoz. You ever seen Zardoz? No. With Sean Connery and a space speedo. No, but now Zardoz. Zardoz is a movie that I love. And a lot of people love it. It's it, it was by the same guy who did like Excalibur, but you had me a Sean Connery in a speedo. <laughs> it's it's ridiculous. There's some ridiculous seventies. It's 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 like a speedo diaper weird thing, but like at the beginning, there's a bunch of like post-apocalyptic guys in their in their post-apocalyptic diapers. And, and all these, all these guns it. and like face the the face of Zardoz like masks, and the giant head of Zardoz comes down, you know, once a year, and they meet. They're meeting it, and you know, my people, you're you're here to rid the land of of humans that that destroy the earth. Remember, the penis is, or the penis is bad. The gun is good. The penis is bad. The gun is good. And then the mouth of Zardoz would puke out like thousands and thousands of guns and bullets to them and then fly off. But Sean Connery hides and sneaks into the head and flies back. Oh, my God. I am looking at him in this horrible speedo. 
Oh what? God! It's it's basically the 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 elite people of the Earth. This is like thousands of years after societies collapse that, that live like under a giant plastic bubble, and they've they're immortal, and they've lost pretty much the will to live, and they bring Sean Connery in there to to liven things up. It's a it's an interesting movie. It's a great movie. <laughs> but I definitely that that head is definitely based on the head. It's it's very much like Zardoz. The head is probably one of the most terrifying things in the entire show. <laughs> yeah, that's 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 the that's the part that's like really like a uh, found footage horror movie. Yeah, like when I I remember watching that for the first time and it just started coming out of the water and then started cha- like I. I remember just being like, oh, God, Alex. And it was so terrifying. But I, yeah, yeah, absolutely. I, to talk about the mailbox, I actually really like the mailbox a lot. I feel like. It's like an old Ray Bradbury science fiction story or something, you know. Absolutely. But I kind of like that it sort of has, Maybe and this is, could be hope reading into it too much, but it feels a little like like a classy personality. <laughs> and I, I think I'm reading way too much into it because it feels super classy. But it was so polite. It was like, hello, Susan Dipper. I'm a mailbox. Hello. <laughs> it's a fancy mailbox because it uses wax uh, seals. So I now dub it classy mailbox. <laughs> <laughs> but what did you think about the mailbox? It was good. It was just a nice joke of like, oh, we can figure out everything we need to know for the show here. And then (laughs) Mabel comes along and ruins it. I actually really like the candy monster one as well. Um, The monster said it was called that thing. It goes back and forth. I've seen both titles. It really just depends on where you see it, because originally it was called that thing. And then they changed it to candy monster. And actually, the first commercial for the show before the show ever aired, the commercial had a flash of the candy monster and it was called a uh, thing. I think thing 26 in the original, like first commercial for gravity falls. So um, it, this thing has several names. My, My only, only note, note on that is Dipper gets a face full of crotch from a little naked man in that one. It's <laughs> a funny little sight gag. I I just like um, his stuffed animal armor. He's like, I'm an armor. <laughs> He's like, record it if I die or whatever. Dipper is like super tough at it. But I will say the candy monster always reminded me of Crumb from All Real Monsters. Like if he was holding his eyeballs, he looks just like Crumb from All Real Monsters, an old Nickelodeon show I watched when I was a kid. So it's a little like there's a little Gremlins aspect to him too. Yeah. Yeah, like he's weirdly ugly but cute at the same time. Like, like when he starts like watching, all he just wants to do is like eat some candy and kick back and watch some. He TV. wouldn't be he wouldn't be ugly if he didn't have the little thin, wiry like piggy hair on him. <laughs> That's what makes him look really naked. Yeah, just having that sort of sweaty hair on him. Mm-hmm. So, what did you think of Lefty? It was it was a good just little gag, but it's pretty dark because it does end in mass suicide. In a group yeah. suicide. That's my number one note is it's horribly morbid. 
every time I'm just like, oh no. But what was the little green men's purpose? Why are they here? Why are they that guy? Why did no one ever? We'll ever never know. Them? That's why they had to kill themselves. I know, I know, and it's so like maddening. Like, how do people not realize, like, when they're directly behind him on an escalator, that there's only half a person there? Oh, there's, 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 there's obvious. There's, there. You see people when he's on the the escalator on the other side of the escalator who would see it and stuff. And and then why? Why only build half a human? <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. For such an important thing that you for that's suicide worthy, why not just build the whole human and stuff? So yeah, it begs a lot of questions, but it's 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 it was a great little sight gag. Yeah, that that's probably the one that I feel like is kind of the most out of place of all of them. Everything else feels like super gravity falls, but that's the one that feels just a little bit out of place, you know? Yeah. And finally for Dippers, the hide behind. Oh, it's de- that's definitely a Slender Man reference. I don't know if Slender Man was actually out during this time. I think he was. By, by like two, 2013, 14, definitely there was some Slender Man stuff going on. That was about the time that those, by, that those girls got oh, arrested. It, oh, it was 2009. You're right. You're right. So, yeah, I, I totally think it's a, a, a take on Slender Man. And I, I like that they uh, the news... Or that Wendy's dad is labeled as punching enthusiast. I know. And I love the point where, like, he's like, Daddy's on TV. He's on TV. <laughs> <laughs> I like it, too. because Actually, the, the, the hide behind reminds me a lot of Groot. He looks like Groot from Guardians of the Galaxy. Yeah. But this is actually probably my favorite of the Dipper ones. Because it involves the town... And I like that the hide behind is like a known cryptid in town. Like he's just part of that town lore, like the Mothman or Bigfoot. Yeah, he's well. Every town has their, you know, has their boogeyman. So, so yeah. Yeah, and I just love that sound that it makes, like the <laughs> sound. I, 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 I don't know how they edit it together, but it's such a unique sound. I really like the sound that it makes. So, did you have anything else for Dipper's Guide to the Unexplained? Nope, I'm ready to move on. So, what did you think of Mabel's Guide to Life? Oh, I I liked all of them. Yeah, they were ridiculous. It's just that, like, chaotic Mabel energy for five shorts. Yeah. <laughs> they're the fastest moving of them all, yeah, because they're, like, sugar-fueled spazziness. I think my favorite of all of those was the Guide to Dating. <laughs> Because it really summarizes Stan Dipper and Sue so well. I like that they took went the extra step in Mabel's shorts to make everything look homemade. So like all her all her signs have like macaroni pasta on it and her lights are fake and it looks like something that a twelve year old would make in her house. And they went that extra step in designing and just like little extra things like the puffy stickers actually look puffy in 2d animation and that's a really nice detail so there's so many nice little details in this one as well i agree i also like caricature (laughs) human caricature with like the 80s music and crandolph the fabulous is a wonderful joke was he in the dating one no, 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 no. He was in the uh, color one where there was depression and then Crandolph the Fabulous showed up and gave everyone color. <laughs> I like the two toads that she put together and it said totally dating. I know. And I like- Jog Hog is just a great 
name. Um, I love. I like that they mentioned that leeches were the first form of stickers. In the stickers. <laughs> I I do have notes for them for each each section for the oh. for the fashion fashion one. I love the ape card games. Uh, that Mabel's wearing a s- sweater with a black Santa on it, and when they go to makeover Stan, he's in the bathroom singing the apology song into the mirror. I know. Isn't that a nice touch? Yes. I like the dog clowns in the color one and Wendy's flannel, entirely flannel family. Um, the art one, of course, caricature and uh, the milking things section. And everything that she was milking looked totally like confused and <laughs> awkward about it. Yeah. <laughs> my, my other favorite parts is I like the ones where Candy and Grinda get like our part of it as well because it's just more nice candy and grinda stuff um seuss looks really good in labyrinth cause and labyrinth cosplay (laughs) i i love that nod but i also just love all the bits where like dipper is just pulled into things randomly and some and just like little dipper moments where like the one where she laughs uncontrolled like she opens she's like that's the guy laughing for an uncomfortably long time here's more and you see like dipper just crumple up his book in the background (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and just like the little ones like where she's in the sweater and she walks by and it's like totally fabulous and he's like what am I supposed to do they're like flip up your glasses and he's like kind of like looks up like what um, I, I really enjoyed watching Dipper through all these ones as well <laughs> but yeah the dating one was definitely my favorite of all of those because I just liked how Seuss was totally perfect and somehow just completely aced a score in in Stan's perfectly happy to settle for like truckers and widows. <laughs> yeah, Stan doesn't care and, and Dipper's trying too hard and, and doing like incel answers, you know? <laughs> yeah. And yeah. going, I'm I'm gonna ace this one. Mm-hmm. But did you have anything else to Dipper's guide to life or Mabel's guide to life? Nope. So probably out of all the different groups of shorts, Fixin' It with Seuss is my favorite group of shorts, even though there's only two of them. I I love Fixin' It with Seuss so much, and I wish there were more, because they're so fucking funny. I loved his can the canned explosions that he had that are like real those are like out of the box video editor explosion like real vi- like they use they were like just use all these out of the can effects, but they use like the real, so they're real photographic explosions. And I liked in the second one that he had a Nort, the, the Nort, the video game poster. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We're, uh, we're back in the secret room. That's now his break room. Yeah. I just like little things like the whole, like duct tape, wood glue. Hey, you. And just like those moments, like actually like throughout all the shorts, cause we saw this in the Stan's tattoo one too. I just really love how comfortable Seuss is with who he is. Like, well, that's okay. a, the thing is, is, Seuss is comfortable in his own skin. So, like, yeah. Yeah, like, it's, uh, and we really see it here that, like, he's not bothered that nobody else understands what he's doing. He's just being Seuss, and he's just so happy to be Seuss. Um, well, Seuss usually gets the character role that, remember with uh, all of Wendy's friends, they had the one fat guy that everybody picked on and everything and was sort of the stereotype fat guy role. Who That's we're going to talk how... about in a minute because he's the manager of the movie theater. Oh, is that that? That's oh, that was him. Yes. Oh, because <laughs> I have a note about that when we get to the 
Because usually a character like Seuss gets treated like that in these shows. So, but it's I like that he's not in this one. Mm-hmm. I love the stand line of you've joined forces with Mabel. This is an unsettling development. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> also, that's why Seuss scored a twelve on his out of ten on his dating score because he's comfortable in his own skin. Yeah. And, um, and Stan did okay because he's comfortable in his own skin, but he realizes his own skin's totally gross. I also love the very super aware line of, I make my own economy, because he knows what he's doing. <laughs> I've actually used that line before of just, I make my own economy. <laughs> the one thing I wish they did was, that is a bitchin' paint job they did on the back of the golf cart, and I'm going to give you the minorest of spoilers. That doesn't stay, and it's not there for the rest oh. of the series. And I'm so bummed about it, because it's such a cool paint job. It's, it's a fun. lot of detail work when you're animating it. Absolutely. So I completely understand why they didn't keep it, but I just, I love that paint job. The only thing I have about that with Dixon and Masseuse is when Dipper is in, like, the little work jumpsuit, and he's like, do you think a girl would like me in this? And Sue says, some things even Seuss can't fix. I find this really... A, a very interesting point because we saw in in the Deep End episode, Seuss is like, Mabel, go to Marmando and stuff like that. But here he's just kind of letting Dipper down easy. But I like that he's not like giving him a hard no because he's let, letting Dipper go through these like crush emotions. But he also knows that Wendy's not interested and it's not going to work out. So he's still being that very supportive Zen character, but he's also like trying not to like bolster Dipper's hopes either. And it's a very nice moment of him balancing those two in a very, in a mild, but also very comedic way. Yes. <laughs> yes. Yes. It is true. Um, but did you have anything else for fixing it with Seuss? I'm ready for the TV shorts. <laughs> so we, so there are TV shorts number one and TV shorts number two. What are your thoughts on TV Shorts 1 and 2? Well, my notes is, I love Horse Dad. Horse Dad? It's one of the post movie posters. There's a there's a poster for Horse Dad. And are, you, a post- are you talking about that? That's this, like when they go to the movie theater? Oh, I'm doing Mabel's scrapbook. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Uh, I have those in reverse order on my, on my notes. <laughs> I, I wrote them in uh, airing order, but the playlist I sent you had them reversed. Okay. Well, then I'll start with Mabel's scrapbook. Or do you want to just go ahead? No, we'll go to the TV shorts. Yeah, I yeah. can. Uh, I can process that. I like the line about um, breaking the very laws of police. I like that line. I wish I'd written that. <laughs> Some of them break, the, you know, breaking the laws of science and nature. Some of them even break the very laws of police. That's, <laughs> that's a fire sign theater line. And if anybody's never listened to fire sign theater, if you like Gravity Falls, you'd probably like fire sign theater. A more bad green screen. I love the stand bats. I love everything about the Mystery Shack commercial. Everyone has seen that commercial where everything's just off and there's just the two sit stands and one is delayed and the terrible green screens. Like I like that they went that extra de- like that extra mile for those kind of details. <laughs> My question is, who puts a little tw- like a ten to twelve year old? puffy-faced minor into the adult prison where he gets to hang out with ghost eyes. <laughs> <laughs> so I find the Gideon commercial actually really interesting. Yeah, there's some subtext to that commercial. 
There's a lot going on in that commercial. Yeah, that's very, very adult. And then, like, I mean, as an adult thinking about that situation, it's like, why does he have all the... Why, how, how is he... Um, through the story, we know he's just Gideon. He's a con man, so he's convinced all the prisoners that he's their friend or whatever or to, to follow him. But, oh... <laughs> Yeah, that's... Him riding around on the back of big old prisoners and stuff is a little sketchy. <laughs> See, my thing about that is is that it showcases why Gideon is so terrifying and why he's a good villain. Because he should be in an adult prison, but I mean, but it's a it's a totally not reality show, <laughs> obviously. Yeah. And I like that because we see why he's so good. He's good at manipulating people. He's good at coaxing people onto his side. And you know he's the leader of everybody there. Um, I mean, that's what really happens with con men when they go to jail. They go into jail and they just keep being con men and they sometimes are, and they come out with a whole different scam. <laughs> it's so short, but it actually showcases like why Gideon is such a, a dangerous villain. And they always and they always like go like I'm in prison and now I'm reformed and now I'm helping people, and so yeah, I'm glad that they I'm glad that they show that that is actually like one of the more like useful story as as far as like not knowing what comes in season two, that's one of the things that actually progresses the story and adds like okay this is what's happened this is something new happening to the char- to one of the characters or you know, mm-hmm. so absolutely. The second one, Teen Cops. They actually have the. They actually got the 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 sheriff and his deputy to one of them dressed in drag and have them hugging each other. I love Derland and Blubs in this. I remember watching those stupid PSA videos in high school, in middle school, and in elementary school. And they're so they're just like that. They're so fake, and it's clearly adults just being like. I am a teenager. Hi there, and fellow kids. To... <laughs> Hello, my fellow youths. Would you like a beer? <gasps> no, not beer. It's peer pressure. Right. Hey, you <laughs> want to know what's really cool? Not drinking. Yeah, like I remember watching those and they're so stupid. And I love that moment where the real teenagers show up and just steal their shit. <laughs> yeah, just. <laughs> <laughs> it's so funny. That's about uh, right. This one has Ducktective in it too, so. Oh, oh yeah. And the penguin, and they, and and you actually get to see how Ducktective like play, like you get to see like a mini condensed episode, which is awesome. And uh, I, the penguin, penguin reminds me. Did did you ever see the Wallace and Gromit cartoon with the evil penguin? Yeah. And, I, like, I, the first yeah. shot of him is this zoom in shot of the penguin just silently looking. And uh, the, I think they were totally referencing that with the first shot of the penguin in this. The penguin. I, I love Ducktective. Anything that we can get of Ducktective is just so good. I every time I love that dumbass duck, and I just I love Ducktective so. I like much. that I, when he gives up being a Ducktective, he swims off, but then he just turns back into a duck, so he comes back for the breadcrumbs. I was about to say the exact same thing. He's just a duck. <laughs> So yep. he does duck things, and it's just like, duck detective, no, bread attack, and then he comes right back. But there's still, like, some, like, little bit of social commentary in there, where the, his, like, police guy is like, I thought you didn't like bird jokes, and they're like, well, we can say bird jokes, and I was like, there's a little social commentary going on here, too. Yeah, that, that, there, there were, there were two adult jokes in there, the one, we can say bird jokes, and Seuss 
going. Here's one for the uh, the old archives. But yeah, like I I love anytime I can get Duck Detective. I absolutely love Duck Detective. It's it's one of my favorite bits of all of Gravity Falls. I love this duck. I actually would love to have a little stuffed Duck Detective. I would re- I would really really like one one day. So, did you have anything else about TV shorts one and two? Nope. I'm ready all to right. polish this off. Last but not least, we have the two Mabel scrapbooks, which was the movie theater and the eight-legged cow named Octavia. She actually, I think, has nine legs, if I remember. Like, somebody was like, even though her name's Octavia, she has nine legs, but who cares? <laughs> yeah, I I liked how they, they these are the mo- ones that are the most set up like an episode. Yep. I because the they ha- they're like a mini episode, and and if you pay attention... With her scrapbook, they flip through stuff that you're going to see in the future. Like in the first one, I saw the picture of the guy chugging the butter, and I was just like, oh, what's that guy chugging in that picture? And I'm like, oh, they're just throwing random goofy stuff in the background. But then, of course, it ends with him chugging the butter and her taking a picture. So it, it, it has all that little you know stuff that if you're watching, it lines up. I love the poster for Horse Dad. And then Seuss was standing in front of this other poster, and I'm like, why can't I read it? Why can't I read it? And I finally got to read it, and it was uh, just a hand sticking out with a, but it, with a coffee mug, and but the hand is like a chimp hand, and it just says monkey business. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, that's funny, because that could be real. That could actually be like a movie that they saw was like in pre, you know, somebody was shopping around at one time or something, but... And it's just like it's one of those total like coming soon posters where it's just a white background and everything. Yeah, they're they're just really good at, at ripping on media stuff. There's also a a grandpa the kid again poster. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I also love Pony Heist because I do have to wonder if it was a little nod towards like the insaneness of My Little Pony, which was at its height during this time. Right. Um, right. I think the movie one is interesting because I love seeing because Tom, Thompson is the manager and he's the one that normally gets kicked around by everybody by everybody else. But I love seeing him as the manager to the movie theater because it's his one place where he gets to have a power trip. And he's a completely different character when he is the manager. And I, yeah, I like no, that. That, about that, that. Yeah, that is totally totally perfect with the psychology of someone who gets bullied you know that's the psychology of someone who gets bullied and then gets gets power they get a little uh little frisky with it but at the same time he's totally impotent as far as being a a true uh wielding his power you know it's it's nobody takes him seriously and in the end they just get in the movie free and (laughs) have the nice best seats in the house you know while he um, while he drinks butter, <laughs> and it's also a little throwaway. But the dog sled race with the space lizard in the snow—I want to know that adventure. <laughs> I need to know the context of that story. It's not in anything. Like it's not in Journal Number Three. It's not in any of the extra comics. That's well, all yeah, we know about it. <laughs> it's like it's like all the Rick and like all the Rick and Morty opening sequences have little bits like that that have something that where you're seeing like three or four story elements coming to a head and it never shows up in any of the shows ever. Mm-hmm. And then the cow. So the Octavia short is probably my favorite of all seventeen shorts. To me, it's the one that like feels the most like a full episode, but in a bite-sized two minutes. Like 
this would be the kind of thing, like, if I wanted to give somebody a taste of what Gravity Falls is about, like, I would show them this short because it has the weirdness of the town, it has the family element, and it's funny. It's it has still a, very the, funny. the cryptid, the, the, you know, a sort of cryptid, and an or the, you get the origin of it, and then a sort of reversal gag with it. Yeah, yeah. it's got all, all the elements. And just, like, the little things that they do in that, like, when they actually steal the cow, just Seuss on his piano, just being like, please hold for Tractors Monthly. Do, 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 do. This is a real message. <laughs> like, it has so many nice little bits in it. And I just, I can't, man. The farmer, the farmer guy who was going to eat Octavia, I still can't believe that that's Dee Bradley Baker voicing him. <laughs> It just does not sound like any of the roles I'm used to hearing from him. <laughs> we love you, Dee Bradley Baker, so much on the show. I wouldn't have picked it out as him. I know, me neither. Absolutely. It's not, it, it actually sounds like Alex Hirsch. Like, I actually thought for the longest time it was Alex Hirsch voicing the old man farmer because it sounds so much like him. Mm-hmm. Were, were you surprised at the end when the cow ate the bird? Mm, not <laughs> extremely because it had to go somewhere. Because it was it was too predictable for them to be just like, okay, we'll let you go. You know, there had to be some some sort of twist to it. That twist sort of made sense. I like that they mutate into laser eyes. It is, and that's probably the thing about it, mostly with this one and the Dipper's Guide to the Unexplained Ones. It, it also kind of showcases the turn and tone that we're going towards. Because these do feel a lot darker than most of season one up to about Bill Cipher's arrival. Yeah, there's a lot more like borderline family guy sort of jokes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this is this is very much like a training. Well, no, I mean I mean like tone as in like just you know kind of more mature themes, which yeah, family yeah. guy, but but like it's making that kind of turn towards we're yeah. going to go towards heavier themes and not as more fun adventure of the week. Well, it's still fun. It's just oh, yeah, definitely saying- it's definitely just got a darker edge. Thank you, thank you. Edge is the word I, that was escaping me. Yes, it has a darker edge. That that was the word that was escaping me that I was babbling about for two minutes. <laughs> the edge. But did you have anything else for any of the 17 shorts? No. You enjoyed them? Yeah, it, they whipped right by. You think you're going to watch 17 shorts? I was like, oh, this is going to be legit. And then I like sort of plotted them out in my notebook. And I'm like, oh, usually usually I can fit two episodes of our show on a page of note page if I write it right small enough. And this one went took up a whole page and went on to the other page. I'm like, but that's just because ha- I was giving, you know, a certain number of lines for each short. And then I was just like, zing, just whipping through them when, when I was sitting there watching it. And, and I like this format, too, because um, a lot of the Disney Channel shows do this. Like, Owl House has its own set of shorts as well. And I think it's a nice, like, little thing to do, especially between seasons. Because, remember, there is a year between season one and season two. And so I remember when these shorts were coming out, like, people were just pouring over every single one. Because it was the only Gravity Falls content that we had. And they were spaced out, like Dipper's Guide to the Unexplained came out, and then there's like three months, and then Mabel's Guide to Life, and then like a few more months. Like, And so every time we got these, it was just like, yes, content. But it is a kind of like a nice way to kind of fill in the hiatus time while still giving like kind of fun content as well. But I just, 
at the same time, I hated that we had to wait an entire year and this is all we had. <laughs> well, the, sh- the short form video, you know, the short or especially animated or just the short form film. I mean, it keeps migrating. It migrated. It started out as, you know, a way to um, uh, as something you'd see in the movies. You would go to the movies and they'd have a bunch of shorts stuck before the main movie. Mm-hmm. Then TV came along and, and it was like, well, there's not really a, in, in movies and there wasn't really a place for short subjects as much up after the 60s. Every once in a while through the 70s, you would get a little cartoon before the film or something. And now uh, Pixar does that. But for a lot of their movies, they'll yep, have the shorts. Yep. But it's just sort of the retro exception. But like then shorts sort of migrated onto HBO where they would HBO would want to start a movie on the hour, the half hour. So if a movie only ran one minute after the hour, they couldn't start another movie till the half hour after. So they would, you know, run a series of like what movies are on HBO, but then they would run short five, ten minute short subjects to fill the time. Like Allegro non Tropo, which we talked about last week. Yep. <laughs> yep. And then they sort of they sort of disappeared for a long time until the internet came back. And now the inter- like YouTube is it's flush with short short videos and short things, but now it's making its way back onto TV because also you're not scheduling things as much for time on TV anymore. You know, even people with cable TV, it's basically they're, they're watching a DVR. So That's you, actually you, a really good point because actually a lot of shows take the 11-minute format. Um, Steven Universe, with the exception of a couple episodes here and there, Every episode of Steven Universe is 11 minutes. Yeah, it doesn't um, matter. Yeah. Well, and, and same thing and, with Amphibia. Amphibia is the same way. So they usually have two 11-minute episodes to fill a 22-minute time slot. And that's becoming kind of like a new norm as as well. A lot of shows are doing that. It, it's it's really... What was I going to say? I was going to say something else. Uh, I broke. <laughs> I broke. My mind broke. What was I going to say? But I don't think most people watching cable like go, oh, Amphibia is, you know, unless they're really into it and they're like, okay, it premieres at this time. But, you know, most people are like, okay, like, like when I go to visit Dario's, you know, Sunday morning, they get up and they watch the cartoon, you know, they go to Cartoon Network and they look to see which episodes they want to watch of mm-hmm. that come out that week. So no, no, but you're, you're, people are just thinking about the length of time they want to watch TV. So. If you're watching 11 minute episodes or something, you can sit and watch like five five episodes. And if you want to watch an hour of TV or something like that, or you know, ten if you want to watch two hours. Yeah, that that's so true because and and it does affect their airing time. Like this, the last half of Owl House because it aired with Amphibia, it had an airing time of 8:45 because Amphibia was only 15 minutes. <laughs> so. Like it does, it, it's interesting that they shift that time around too. And now we have a Quibi. A quick editing note: This was very obviously recorded before Quibi shut down and closed. So <laughs> we have a Quibi. <laughs> All right, guys, enjoy the rest of the episode. Quibi is trying to make this like whole TV being eleven minutes like a standard thing. Yeah, I don't think app. I don't think we're gonna have Quibi for. It doesn't sound like we're gonna have. It doesn't sound like Quibi's doing too good. Yeah. Yeah, but like it's kind of that idea of going in that direction because 
that's actually one of my favorite things I like about when I was going through season one and so far season two of Amphibia was if I just wanted to watch an episode, I just did it while I, I ate a sandwich. And by the time I was done with my sandwich, the episode was over and I just went right. back to work. Right, so right, it's, right. Yeah, it's, it's a really cool kind of idea that a lot of it especially works really well with young adult media as well. And not, and I'm not saying that kids can't be like held for a whole 30 minutes, but it is like a quick little bit. Like if you just harder wanna... to hold them for a full, full 30 minutes, so it's harder to hold anybody. I mean, that's the thing is, I don't. I think everybody's attention span gets shortened by the, our general media. Kids are were have it more plugged in because they were they were born around it more, mm-hmm. but. Even me, I mean, I'm I'm 52 years old. I was raised on short attention span. It's just mm-hmm. that they've been short, you know, it gets a little shorter all the time. But, yeah. yeah. I mean, you can do it. There's people who do it for three or four hour movies, so it works. But mm-hmm. it's, it's, a lot e- it's a lot easier to commit 11 minutes of your time than... Yeah. Than a half hour and an hour. Yeah, yeah. Although it's funny because I'll bet you a lot of people are like, ah, I only have the attention span for... 11 minutes but then they'll watch like five or six of them yeah that that was you know? me a lot when i was going yeah. to steven universe so, i'd be like well so, i have time for one more and then three hours later that, yeah. that was me going through that show a lot i think a lot of people they think about having a long attention span they, they use terms as like getting ocd on it or going down the rabbit hole or something but it means you've just found something that you're very interested in and your attention and your attention span has expanded on it to the point of where you're like, I need more information on this, you know, because you want to spend that. That's 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 the thing. People can have a short attention span, but you give them a TV show that they that gets them going and all of a sudden they'll, they, they can watch it for five hours at a time. They can have a whole day marathon with their friends of it. Yeah. I, I think a lot of it's the way we think about our attention span rather than we've lost our attention span. I think we ju- it just acts differently. That's actually a really good point of the, the 11 minute short format is also a good way to introduce people to a show as well because it's, mm-hmm. it is much easier to commit that. That was actually... And what... it usually, it's usually a just a burst in a blurb. You don't have to remember much of anything. You're not following a running story or anything. You're just sort of getting a little little package of entertainment. Well, that's actually what I was about to say. Like, uh, that's actually what kept me in Steven Universe. Because the first time I watched Steven Universe, I knew it was a show that all my friends were watching and they were all raving about. And so as I was watching like season one, like I, I was like, I see why people like this, but nothing was really clicking for me until I got to the season one finale. But it was it wasn't until like I got later in the show and I went back and rewatched the show where I was going, oh, my God, they packed so much lore into these episodes that I mm-hmm. didn't realize watching it for the first time. And those that makes that like so rewatchable. But when I was watching it for the first time, it actually made it so quick. So even though. I thought it was fine at the beginning with the first time I watched it. I just kept watching it because I was like, you know, it's it's not that much of my time. I can watch like one or two here and there. And before I knew it, I hit the the season one finale and I was like, oh, shit, everything's happening. Oh, God. <laughs> but it was really easy to get through a, a, like that first season when I personally thought it was rough until I went back and I you know, fell in love with it because I loved all the characters and the lore and stuff. So, yeah, that is another show that's going to have like... 
connections to previous episodes because I won't be able to talk about shit like season yeah. four. <laughs> All right. So you ready to move on? I am. So there are actually two <clears throat> journal entries about these. We are going to be talking about the Island Head Beast and the Hide Behind. So these are from the author's point of view. I don't need to. I always, I, you don't see my book, but I have so many like. Um, Pieces of paper sticking out, bookmarks sticking out of it. Yeah, but I also have them over the parts to mark like what's a spoiler and what's not a spoiler. <laughs> and they're color coded too, so I'm just like, okay. Um, <laughs> all right, so first and foremost is the Island Head Beast. And these are from the author. Is there a creature beneath the island? Yet another startling discovery at the lake. One of the boulders, in quotes, uh, was in fact an enormous human-like tooth. There's evidence of nerve tissues on the root, plus crushed mollusks and fish bones at the crown. In my past observations, I have noticed that one of the lake's islands seem to be in different locations every morning. My conclusion is that this island is some kind of living creature and the owner of the tooth. Could it be that this serene mountain lake's contains a genuine submerged Lovecraftian horror, I will have to return to my investigation at the lake at a later date. Despite this bone-chilling thought, I couldn't help but enjoy the scenery. There's no other place in Gravity Falls I would rather be than the lake. So that is the first one. I just like that in Gravity Falls world that Lovecraft is a thing. It's pretty dark, too, that he know, the, a kid like Dipper knows what Lovecraftian horrors are. Uh, this is from the author's point of view. Oh, oh, okay. Okay, never mind. All right. And the next one is the hide behind. Strange things are always hidden in this pass. As I surveyed the camp, I felt a hand tapping on my neck. I whipped around in a panic, but found that there was nothing there. An eerie gust of wind carried my gaze to an ancient moss-covered wooden sign in which was carved a strange poem. In the corner of your eye, a man appears to lean, but when you turn to meet his stare, he is nowhere to be seen. Hide your lumber, clutch your axe, and turn your lanterns out. Best to watch your back, my friends, because the hide behind's about. I've heard enough lumberjack lore to know that we were in the presence of the hide behind. Is this peripheral phantom watching me right now? Legends describe a being with impossible ability to hide before it's seen. But what is he? A ghost? A living shadow? Or just a malnourished peeping Tom with fear of eye contact? Never been seen. A strange howl echoed through... Oh, wait. I can't read anymore. I may finally return to the camp one day once the hairs on my neck finally stand down. I'm sorry, I missed that last paragraph. And I'm like, there are spoilers in that paragraph. <laughs> so that is all I can read of the hide behind. So oh. I just like the malnourished peeping Tom with a fear of being a fear of eye contact. <laughs> <laughs> so for our next part, we're actually switching things. Normally, this would be Chris's speculation corner. But I want to go ahead and do the cipher corner and connections to previous episodes because there's a part in this that I want to see talk to Chris about. So, for connections to previous episodes, in one of the shorts, we see the playing card scatter. I think it's the Candy Monster short. And Bill Cipher is again seen on the back of the playing cards, just like he is in Time Traveler's Pig. In Mabel's Guide to Art, the Please sticker is stuck on the cash register. 
and it's the please sticker from Boss Mabel. From this, we can infer that this short takes place between Boss Mabel and Boys Crazy because the sticker is gone by the time that Boys Crazy comes out. In Fixing It with Seuss, the short takes place in the secret room found in the episode Carpet Diem, as Dipper gave the room to Seuss to be his new break room. And the last connection to a previous episode is in the episode Dreamscaperers. Bill says that he knows lots of things, and several images flash across his body. One of the images on his body is the Gravity Falls prison, which we now see Gideon in in TV short number one. So, as for the ciphers, do you see the picture? I do. Okay. You got it. You got it in there. I did. I did. It took me a while because Google Docs was being a bitch, <laughs> but. <laughs> For Dipper's Guide to the Unexplained, there are actually two ciphers, and at the end of every short, um, a piece of a page would flash at the end, and when you put all these together, they made a particular image. And it, this image is an eye with two red lines and an X over the center of the eye. And there were two cryptograms from these shorts. The first cryptogram was the key to, was the key to solving the second cryptogram. So the key to solving it was, from the first until the last, search the codes of credits past. One's mean, one means one, so search them all. Welcome to Gravity Falls. And that led to how to decipher the second one. And the second cipher, once this all six shorts were put together, was, I was so blind, he lied to me, the darkness is near. And then you put all the page together for the picture of the eye with the red X over it. So, Chris, what are your speculations and theories? My, my only speculation is that, is about Stan's tattoo is going to be important. You could see enough of it to see it was it was a line with a triangle at the end of it. There's symbols like that in magic. There are also symbols like that in old Native American art, like arrowheads, arrows, or just these abstract... You'll see it sometimes like rugs with it on it or stuff. There was there was some imagery of it in the Shining movie. They're almost abstract images, like lines with with lines through them or boxes attached to them and stuff. They almost look like sort of twenties abstract art. And and, and uh, we have seen Stan's tattoo before, but this was the first time there was a focus on it. Or it could just be an arrow pointing to something. But it had a look of like a, a ancient Indian. Usually they usually they were sort of like Chinese or something where you know each one would stand for a word or a thing or something like that. So it looks like he's got something like that. And having and something Native American on him would he's in the Pacific Northwest in the out in the woods, you know, there could be some some Native American history. well almost anywhere you go in America actually there could be some Native American history about it. And if it was a normal tattoo, why would he be so defensive of it? Right, right. Do you have any idea of... Well, it could just be something stupid and really embarrassing, too. So there's always that. There's always that potential with a tattoo, too. But I don't think so. I think it's going to be something. They're going to use this tattoo on a map or something, or when they're somewhere, they'll see a person contorted, and when they contort Stan into that position, his tattoo will point to where they have to go or what they're looking for or something like that or it'll gain him entrance into the lodge <laughs> did you have any other ones before i asked you the question about this picture of the eye no go ahead all right just to give you some reminders this one of the ciphers in irrational treasures 
was the word blind. And this, it was either the last episode of season one or the second to last episode of season one. It was Search for the Blind Eye. Now we have the code of these ones that says, I was so blind, he lied to me, the darkness is near. And we have this photo of an eye with a red X through it. What are your thoughts? Well, I think the eye with the red X through it is sort of, you don't want to, I don't want to put a lot of too much meaning, like it's the main thing that you see in this picture. But I think the important thing in this picture is deciphering the co- the text on either side. I think basically what the, the eye with the is saying that Bill, that Bill Cipher is the enemy. Uh, I, I'm, I'm going to take that as shorthand for Bill Cipher's eye and the X as being bad. But I think what it really does is serve as... The, just as soon as I saw those X, the, 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 the X's break the text into four sections. Yeah, technically it's, it's six because um, it was one for if, if you look, see the red text in the top in the center, the top, bottom, bottom, bottom. Those those were for each of the six episodes. So technically it's six sections because what it was one for each dipper short. Well, yeah, but I'm just saying if you take the X and each, yeah, yeah. each thing that the X so. So it's sort of sorting the information, and the information stays in its own little quadrant. Mm-hmm. So you're going to get more information out of getting the text out of there, and probably each section is probably its own little little section, or I don't know. That, that, I, I just know I'm not going to... Well, I don't. if I want to know, I'm sure I could go right onto the internet and somebody's already <laughs> translated all of this. Yeah, I, I read everything that was on this page. Some of it, because most of it is just like drawings and squiggles, but like the things that actually have meaning were the two ciphers that I, I read to you. So that that is what I was on the page. But yeah, okay. So we, we keep getting references back to the word blind. This is now our one to third reference. Do you think that has anything to do with anything? Um. Yeah, it sure does. But we're, we're probably going to need more information to find out. I, I mean... Obviously, anything that refers to eyes is always going to point to Bill Cipher. Mm-hmm. Do you think that's the he in the he lied to me? It, yeah, I, I definitely do. And because there's been other journal entries to the effect, you know, where he was earlier, like this Bill Cipher guy seems like a great guy. So it looks like we can get some something done here. And then it's like, no, he destroyed my soul. What do you think the, uh, and then the last part of this says the darkness is near. What do you think the darkness is? Oh, geez. It's the plot. <laughs> it's Everything. The plot. It's, it's the plot. It's the, it's the plot de- device of, I mean, the darkness, the darkness is near. I don't like stuff like that. I mean, in, in the context of Gravity Falls, yes, because you're dealing with little kids. That is just the most overused, generic you can assign it to anything way of of you know the darkness is near you know it 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 points to something evil and nefarious and their plan is finally coming to fruition and and all that it's used a lot (laughs) especially in demonic or cosmic style horror stories as as i never i never take it i take that as just like Here's a story element saying you better take Bill Cipher seriously. Any other because the drawing one? of the evil ones is nigh. When the, 
when the cross lines up with the jagged tree. Well, did you have any other speculations? I did not. Hey, Chris, guess what? Ah, uh, what? Surprise me, Hope. We got a comment from Gene Gene, the <gasps> comment machine. Blah, 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 blah. Gene. Gene! <laughs> yeah, so Gene left us a comment, and honestly, I kind of deserved this comment because oh. I misspoke, and I, I, I know this, and he's telling me things I know, and it was just me misspeaking. So this is Gene, it's one of our lovely Gene, papers. Gene, the correction machine? Yeah, yeah, he got uh, he got me real good, Gene. <laughs> <laughs> you got a real good Gene. Yeah, because this is good. all stuff that like I know, and I just yeah. So this is from our episode Carpet Diem. He writes and he quotes me: "I grew up watching Toonami, which was the first time anime came to America." That's not correct. And he wrote me back: "Really hope, really get off my line with a winky face." Seriously, though, anime has been coming to America since the 60s. Astro Boy, Gigantor, Speed Racer, and it was a huge in the 80s. Shows like Robotech, Battle of the Planets, and Voltron were pretty much everywhere. Heck, Dr. Bill and I reviewed the entire first season of Star Blazers on Anime Freaks. Anime Freaks is a Two True Freak show over at twotruefreaks.com, so you can check them out over there. And that started over here in 1979. 1979! Admittedly, Cardcaptor Sakura and Sailor Moon were less Americanized, but there was still some of that. Sailor Neptune and Uranus were not very affectionate cousins. Oh, I know. I know. I've written multiple times about that. We, I'm we really talked glad about that... that on one of the shows, actually. Yeah, yeah. I'm really glad that you grew up with a wider distribution of anime than I did, but it was by no means the first, second, or even the third decade that I had been in this country. Okay, old man rant is over. Gene, I know this, because I also grew up watching Speed Racer and stuff, and yeah. You know, thinking back to that episode, I think I mentioned it in the way that when it came over, it was, you know, Toonami was like, this is our anime block. You know, it was, for me, the first time I was like, oh, I am watching anime. Because I grew up, when I was real young, I didn't realize that Sailor Moon was anime. I just thought it was a really cool cartoon. And same thing with, like, Pokemon and Digimon. It wasn't until I was, like, in middle school and early high school where I was like, oh, this came from another country. And by that time, they were, like, Toonami was, like, programming, like, this is our anime block. So, looking back, like, that's how I meant it. Like, it was the first time that, like, I was watching anime knowing it was anime. Because I grew up watching Speed Racer. I watched Battle of the Planets. I even watched a little bit of Ultron. So, like, I know that that's well, not the first well, wave well, of before, anime. Before that, like, anime was, like, sort of hidden. It was, like, brought over, renamed, and repurposed. And wasn't said, this is Japanese anime. It was just, like, this is a cartoon. And then in the 80s, like you was saying, it got really big. But it was... People go into a shop and or mail ordering, you know, obscure uh, videotapes and you know have paying eighty dollars for their and having an anime club and stuff. And Toonami was where anime. They said, "Look, here's anime pop culture. It's on TV and under that name." So. Yeah. Yeah. So. 
you're not old, Jean. I just misspoke. Because the moment I read that, I was just like, I didn't even read the rest of your comic. I just read, like, you quoting me, and I was just like, yeah, I I just read you quoting my comment. I was like, wait, that's not right. And then I read the rest of the comment. I was like, yeah, Jean, you, yeah, (laughs) I misspoke. (laughs) Because I know this. I remember watching Speed Racer and being, like, really, really loving it, too, so. But thank you so much for the comment, Jean. Yeah. All right. So, let's move on. I do want to take a moment as we get ready to go in season two. I also want to go have a moment of being like, hey, my awesome patrons, thank you for sticking with us for one whole season and for continuing us on this journey going forward. I love you guys so much. You guys mean the world to me. So thank you to Brian, Jean, Billy, Heather, Patrick, Lynn, Alex, Bree, and Kate. I, you guys know I love you. I love each and every one of you so much. Thank you for being part of this. And let's get ready for season two of Gravity Falls. Yes, 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 yes. So what were your final thoughts on the shorts? Oh, I loved them. It was very similar to watching one of the, like a great episode of Family Guy where it's just one gag after another. The, the thing is, maybe one or two of the gags weren't, as good as the other ones but there wasn't really a clunker in the whole thing so it just you know going through 17 shorts it just moved it's it's like watching an episode and a half worth of material but boy it it just flew right by that's a good way of putting it it's kind of like gravity falls like there's no bad episode of gravity falls it's just some are better than others some are better some are some of the jokes and and also which jokes land better also depend on the person too you know so Mm. There's some jokes that are going to be funnier to other people than other things. But if you just keep them coming and they're mostly good, it just, yeah, it, it's it's just fun. Yeah, absolutely. I Like, if you're looking for more Gravity Falls lore, you're probably going to like the Dipper ones more. But if you're looking just for having, like, if Mabel's your favorite character, you're probably going to like the Mabel ones more. Yeah, but, um, but the Mabel one had the ended up having one of the more, like, lore-filled episodes with uh, Octavia. absolutely so there there's so much there and by far the best ones were seasons (laughs) i loved the seasons yes Um, and they're pure fun they're they're just pure just comedy shorts absolutely so good absolutely god i just remember the part where mabel was standing beside the giant tooth and she's just like i'm here for scale (laughs) that's such a good moment (laughs) (laughs) so where can people find you chris you can find me at twotruefreaks.com. That's our website. And you can sign up for our RSS feeds there for all of our podcasts, including the podcast of, other podcasts I do with Hope called J Guys and Jedi, where we are going through all the animated Star Wars cartoons from Clone Wars on. So we're rapidly moving our way towards Resistance. We might actually uh, be done with Clone Wars might, by the time this comes We might out. be done with the Clone That's what I was just thinking. Yeah, and uh, you can also sign up for our feeds on iTunes. You can also see Two True Freaks on Facebook, where we have the Two True Freaks podcast, where you can see all our episodes posted in the Two True Freaks Cantina, which is sort of our forum. And we are also on Twitter, uh, Two True Freaks on Twitter, and uh, Gene Gene, the Twitter machine, runs that. I got to give gene alive the other day because he was in an <gasps> audio drama and uh-huh. when, when we were syncing up the tracks everybody had to say their name and clap their hands and he said gene hendrix and i went bum 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 gene 
<laughs> course, nobody knew there except Gene knew what I was doing. Did he find it hilarious? Well, I'm just going to keep doing it with, with Gene until it becomes a thing with them, too. And then one day they might find the podcast and be just like, wah! <laughs> Probably more than likely they'll be like, why do you sing that at home? <laughs> I, won't, I don't know if I want to tell them. I've, I want to see if I just keep doing it. If after a while it just becomes enough of a running gag that they just start bumping him, too. Until the whole world oh just keeps give, giving Gene a ba-dum-bum, ba-dum-bum when they see him. Let's make it a thing. <laughs> oh, by the way, Gene turned in a, a moi, chef's kiss performance on his on his starring role in a, a short horror drama that we did. Oh, over on Two True Freaks, off. right? Yeah, it'll be turning up on Two True Freaks. It's 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 an offshoot of our Strangers in Paradise audio drama, but it's it was just something we thought we'd pop something off for that we could do quickly, put out for October, because mm. it's. The, 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 yeah, The Strangers in Paradise is going to be some serious production. So it, we're making a short to keep people <laughs> tied <laughs> over to the main ingredients. And, but that, anyway, enough about me. Hey, my show. Well, what about you? Where can they find you, Hope? It is our show. And you can find me at geekygirlexperience.com. That's where I write my reviews, my editorials, and I do all sorts of things over there. Of course, there's my Patreon because I always talk about my lovely patrons every week. And that's at patreon.com slash geekygirlexperience. And you can support the show as little as $3 a month, which is just would be so helpful and so good. And also, if you like this show, please write us a review on Apple Podcasts. It's a great way to help people find the show. It's one of the most helpful things you can do. You can also find me at Twitter at Hope Molinex. I run our Twitter for J Guys and Jedi, our other podcast, and that's at J Guys and Jedi. And of course, I write fan fiction over an archive of our own that I haven't done in months, so it's fine. But that's under the name Chaos Lydia. Yeah, you know, I know it's our podcast, but at the same time, it's it's in Hope World, and let's be honest, I make you do all the work um, <laughs> on this one. I, I just watch cartoons and then come in and go like, I like the cartoons. My notes are just so, you know, the, the notes I have to take are so slim. I don't have to, like, like you with this and Jay guys in Jedi, you have to sit down, put on your reading spectacles, pull out the old typewriter, and just start, like, putting down text for the show. I, I love it, though. I love doing this, so. You better I'll, love doing it. <laughs> I know, right? That's, that's Anybody true. who hates doing podcasts is doing podcasts has got to be the most miserable person in the world. Well, Chris, we're kind starting nasty. season. We're yeah, starting I season can't two. wait. You want to know the, fr- the episode of season one of season two? Yes. Wait, that didn't episode make sense. Episode one of season two? Thank you. <laughs> That's what I, I meant I know to what say. you meant. Yeah. So the title of next week's episode is Scary Yogi. Scary Yogi? Scary Oki. Oh, Scary Oki. Like, oh. Like but Scary Oh. It's like in the the, the movie SwearNet where they had Sweary Oki. <laughs> Where the guy's singing all the song, you know, all the songs, but just injecting swear words into the middle of them. I would actually go to Swearyoke. I would go to Scaryoke too. There's a lot of possibilities me. for Scaryoke. One of my my favorite things. I don't know if they still do this, but when I used to still go to Momocon and Anime Week in Atlanta at night, uh, they had a plus eighteen panel, which was read your own hentai, and they would actually like have people come up and they would have just play 
hentai but with subtitles and people got to make up their own voices as they were reading the subtitles it was the funniest fucking thing in the world it's just it's so good did anybody do like celebrity voices everyone somebody did definitely was doing like george bush reading like hentai (laughs) it was hilarious somebody did a peter griffin and they actually had the they had the laugh down to a t (laughs) like it was it was so good <laughs> that's what exactly what that just reminded me of one of the funniest things i heard a comedian lately there, there it was like a podcast of comedians and one of them was just did like basically they all you know the comedian cat williams they all loved cat williams and had all his comedy routines memorized but they were doing his comedy routines and the voice of meatwad but like they had him so memorized that they every like little inflection and word that he did, but then they were doing it in Meatwad's voice from Aqua Teen Hunger Force. And for some reason that was the most, and I'm not a big fan. I don't really like Cat Williams comedy that much, but hearing it in the voice of Meatwad put like levels onto it. It was amazing. Yeah. <laughs> well, all right, you guys. We anyway. will see you next week for season two of Gravity Falls. Yes. Oh my God. All our podcasts are in these exciting, uh, exciting seasons. It's great. Well, this is also the beginning of the end because Gravity Falls is only two seasons. Yeah, but that also means to me that there's going to be a lot of stuff happening. Yes. Judging by the last two episodes of season one, it's going to be right up my right up old Chris's alley. You're going to be waiting for episode 11. That's my favorite episode of Gravity Falls. That's the one to watch. That's the one to watch yeah. for. That's when, when I tell people when they watch the the new um, Twin Peaks, I'm just like, wait till you get to number eight. Mm-hmm. It all gets different after that. Everything. Episode episode eleven life. is Hope's favorite episode of the entire series. So uh, okay. Yep. 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 Well, yep. We'll yep. see yep. what Chris thinks. We'll see what Chris <laughs> thinks. All right, you guys. We'll see you next week. Bye. Bye. Hey guys, did you know that you were actually two months behind on Hope Makes Chris Watch Cartoons? My patrons over on Patreon have access to more episodes of this show as well as behind the scene content. Patreon is a great way for you to support this podcast and my website Geeky Girl Experience with multiple tiers of content that you can choose from. If you become a patron, you'll get your name shouted out in the episodes as well as my never-ending gratitude. You can sign up today at www.patreon.com slash geekygirlexperience. Thanks for listening. I'll see you next time, and I love you guys. Bye.